0: Good morning, guys. Uh, happy Father's Day to all the fathers here. Uh, a great day. Uh, yeah, this is my my first Father's Day. Uh, I'm excited about uh, excited about that, and we have some wonderful, uh, fun activities after this uh, during the uh, the barbecue. Uh, some some big uh, family wide competitions. So that will be uh, that'll be fun and exciting. But uh, if you guys have your uh, your Bibles, why don't you open up to uh, to Ephesians uh, chapter six and Uh, Since I I ran out of time uh, during our our Mother's Day uh, message uh, and I I didn't get to the the part addressing um, children uh, and fathers in in Ephesians 6, we only got through uh, a portion in in Ephesians 5. And so I thought, hey, it'd be perfect to pick that up uh, on Father's Day since uh, Ephesians 6 verses 1 through 4 deal with fathers and with children. Uh, That might be applicable on uh, Father's Day. So we'll be looking at that today. Uh, but uh, as we as we look forward, uh, a couple weeks from now, we're going to be looking at uh, Colossians 2.17, uh, which says that, that these things are a shadow of the things to come, uh, but the substance belongs to Christ. Uh, it, it shows this reality that there are some, some earthly practices and some earthly roles that are uh, a shadow of heavenly realities. And... Uh, uh, this, this verse, uh, Colossians 2.17 shows us that, that there's these earthly realities, but it's, it's Christ who is the substance behind those, uh, realities. Uh, and, and God often does that. Uh, he often uses, uh, pictures of things in this life, uh, to, uh, to explain things. And, uh, we, we see shadows on earth, uh, and the substance belongs in heaven. And, uh, we see that, uh, also in, in a way when, uh, when God, uh, who is who is Spirit, uh, who is eternal, uh, who is uh, infinite, uh, chooses to identify Himself as Father, right? As soon as he as soon as He does that, uh, He's uh, using language that we can understand. And as soon as uh, God refers to Himself as Father, He we begin to develop a picture in our own minds uh, of of who God is. Uh, and you you can't. Uh, you can't have the word father uh, separated from family. Uh, you, you can't help it. It's a, it's a, a word that is associated with uh, a, a father and in relationship with others in his family. Uh, and as soon as God refers to himself as, as father, you think of uh, your own relationship with your earthly father. You think of a uh, father's relationship with his children, his, his love for them, his uh, care for them, his, his provision, his protection of them. Uh, and uh, God uses this term. It wasn't an accident, uh, or God didn't do it backwards and say, looking at a, a father-child relationship here on earth and say, hey, you know what? That's a, that's a good picture of of me. Maybe I'll use that. And I, no, he, he created uh, the family and the institution of the family uh, as a reflection of his character uh, and uh, ultimately of uh, the triune God, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And so... Uh, but the also the opposite is also true. So if God, as soon as He identifies Himself as Father, uh, us as fathers, uh, we have uh, a namesake in heaven. Uh, we we have somebody else that we are. Uh, we have the same name as, and we and we represent here on the earth. We are to a certain degree shadows of His substance, even though He's Spirit. Uh, we, we, he is the the heavenly reality that casts a shadow on the earth, and our children will develop an understanding of who the heavenly Father is based upon how they relate to uh, their earthly father, right? Uh, which uh, is an enormous burden and an enormous responsibility when you think about it. Uh, is, is to to be a a picture of of who God is uh, to our children uh, when and. and our, our society today, uh, there is uh, m- many things that are uh, going awry, and it's because the, the foundations of our families are being chipped away. Uh, and there's you know, how many, I don't need to quote statistics, but uh, it, it's abundantly clear through various studies that when a father's present in the home, uh, there is an unmistakable imprint and impact upon the entire family. Uh, and when that father or it, when the father is absent from the home, uh, it makes an imprint as well uh, his His role and his presence is immediately uh, noticed uh, and so there is a uh, th- there's a responsibility that we have as men uh, as as fathers to to represent God well within our homes within our families and and this morning, as we look at uh, Ephesians uh, uh, we will see. Uh, just what Paul says are some of those responsibilities that we have as men, and uh, he will also explain what uh, what responsibilities children have uh, and and children to a certain extent there uh, 's a reason that God the Father and then Christ within the Trinity is God the Son of. Hey, he's a he's a picture of what a a submissive, humble uh, child father relationship uh, looks like within that. And so as we as we look at uh, Ephesians uh, six one through four today, we will we will begin to see some of the earthly shadows of the heavenly uh, triune God. Um, but let's let's look at Ephesians six and, and read that together, uh, verses one through four. Um, Paul. Uh, says children obey your parents in the lord for this is right honor your father and mother this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land fathers do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the lord and and as we look at these four verses we, we're going to see four four commands uh, the, the first two are addressing uh, children uh, of what their responsibilities are, and then the the second two are addressing fathers of what their responsibilities are within the Christian home uh, within the Christian household uh, and As we look at these four things it 's going to be uh, so important uh, because if if you're operating on something other than these responsibilities and these roles, there's going to be uh, dysfunction, there's going to be consequences within the family, within uh, the family relationships. And we'll we will see that more, in, especially as we see uh, what these commands and these instructions are. So uh, let's just jump into uh, the first responsibility that we see, that which belongs to, uh, to children, uh, and children are to obey your parents. As we see that in verse 1 in chapter 6, children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And uh, I mean, that's a really simple command, right? Just a couple of words: children, obey your parents. But uh, there, there's so much uh, to that. Of hey, children are being called here to uh, to align themselves under uh, what their parents say. Okay, if your parents say it, you're supposed to align yourself uh, under that and submit to it. Uh, and hearing and obeying instruction of parents is is essential to living wisely as a uh, as a teen, as uh, as an older uh, adult, it's still helpful to get your feedback and advice and counsel from your parents. But uh, the Book of Proverbs, do uh, you, you realize that the Proverbs don't actually start in Proverbs chapter one, but the Proverbs begin in chapter ten, and Solomon spends nine chapters uh, addressing his son, saying listen to my instruction. <laughs> Are you ready for wisdom? Will you, will you listen? Will you hear it? Uh, he spends nine chapters on that. So teens, as you think of lectures from your parents uh, and, and being some, repeated over and over again, Solomon spends nine chapters on that before he even gets to, all right, now hear my instruction. So, uh, and over and over again in those chapters, he'll say things like this, Proverbs 1.8. He says, hear my son, your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. And then Proverbs 2, 1, uh, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, uh, then verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Then again in Proverbs 3, 1, he says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. 4, 1, hear, O sons, a father's instruction and be attentive that you may gain insight. Now proverbs five, one and two, my son, be attentive to my wisdom, and incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. And again, in six twenty, my son, keep your father's commandment, and forsake not your mother's teaching. Seven one, my son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. And then finally, in Proverbs chapter ten, when when the proverbs are ready to begin, Proverbs ten one, the Proverbs of Solomon, and he immediately begins with a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Uh, of hearing and understanding what your uh, the input of your parents is the mark of wise living, even as even as young people, as young men and women. Uh, and uh, it's uh, remarkable what uh, Proverbs says if you don't do that. Uh, some of the proverbs are interesting if you read them and you 're like wow that 's really blunt and to the point uh, proverbs thirty seventeen says "The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures so like that's uh that's quite the picture there Solomon thank you uh for that uh, in terms of hey what are the consequences uh, just in this life of not listening to parents so uh which is so it's a pretty simple uh command and you think you're you're getting the picture of hey children are to obey their parents in the lord uh and that qual that qualification of in the lord uh it doesn't mean that children are only supposed to listen to parents who are believers but uh it, it could mean that uh that children uh, are to obey your parents because by doing so that you are obeying the Lord, or it could mean that uh, by uh, as children as you obey uh, obey your parents as long as your parents are commanding what uh, God uh, would command of you, uh, so you don 't want to uh, to disobey God to, in order to obey your parents so they, as long as your parents are aligning with what God says. Uh, obey them. So, but either way, the emphasis is upon, uh, the children not being, uh, under, an, an authority unto themselves, but being under the authority of God. And then he gives a reason for it, right? And it's just a really simple reason. He says, uh, uh, obey your parents in the Lord. And what does he say next? For this is right. He said, this is, this is the way that it is supposed to be. Uh, It's not supposed to be that that children disobey and and go and do their own thing. Uh, But uh, it is right because God made it that way. Hosea 14.9 says, Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the upright upright walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. So again, anything that God has ordained and commanded uh, is right, uh, and just. Uh, and so what this, this verse kind of lays out, uh, or these verses, and we'll, we'll take a look at it more, would be um, kind of some, some umbrellas. Uh, if I can use the, uh, the whiteboard here. So this is the, the big umbrella of God's authority. And then underneath this big umbrella... We'll make it a Mary Poppins-style umbrella. It's a cool curved handle. Uh, underneath this big umbrella, we have a smaller umbrella uh, within every household. Uh, here's the, the delegated authority uh, that parents have. All right? And so here we have uh, parents over here. They're under whose authority? God's authority. Uh, and then uh, under the parent's authority, who should we put? The... Uh, their, their children, okay? And so uh, what what parents, uh, or here, what we have being addressed is that children uh, are to align themselves under the authority of their parents, right? Uh, and here's the thing. Oftentimes, uh, what do teens like to do? They like to kind of push the envelope, or any child, they like to push the envelope and run outside of their parents' authority uh, and do their own thing. But uh, the reality is when you, when you do that, who... who What other umbrella are you running out from under? Yeah. You can't uh, run out from under your parents without also running out from under God's. Right? Now, and uh, for those of you, uh, I guess people in Seattle don't use umbrellas. That's how they mark outsiders. Like, that guy's new. He's not from around here. They just all have rain jackets. But in Southern California, we use umbrellas uh, also for the sun, like to protect us from the sun uh, because we hardly have rain. But uh, what do umbrellas do? Okay, Uh, when you're under an umbrella, what does it provide for you? It it provides, yeah, shade, protection, uh, and understanding. And that's what that's what comes with the these umbrellas of authority. Uh, As long as you are under that authority, there underneath it, there is blessing and there is protection, right? Uh, But does it do you any good to have an umbrella and hold it out over here, (laughs) where, where it's not over your head? Like, oh, I'm gonna go out into the rain and hold my umbrella like this. What's gonna happen? You're going to get soaked because it's, a, it's of no use to you. You have to be under the umbrella. So uh, for, for children, if uh, you are first and foremost called to be under the authority of your parents, and what's the reason given here? It's right. This is what, the way that God created things to be. Uh, this is right. But we'll also see uh, in, the, in the next uh, commandment that, that you're to be here because this is what's best for you. Again, there's blessing and protection that, that comes under this, but, uh, but our natural tendency is to want to rebel against that. And that's ultimately what we all do. We all uh, sin against God and remove ourselves from his authority. Naturally, that's why we need Christ. Uh, and uh, teens, now what do you typically want to do? Uh, typically, you want to, uh, you want to be outside of your parents' authority, but you also want what? You also want the blessing and protection from being under that umbrella. So you don't, you don't want the authority, but you want the benefits of that authority. But the two go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Uh, and uh, we'll see that more and more as we kind of look at this passage today of these uh, cascading uh, authority uh, umbrellas. Um, and so so what is this what does it look like of okay, children obey your parents in the lord okay you're, you're again you're called to arrange yourself underneath your parents' authority uh, and and I know it often seems like uh like everything uh will be better when when you're on your own when you're no longer under under your parents' authority uh, and like but when you're out from under their authority, you also be again outside of their their blessing and their provision so um Here's an additional question for you to contemplate. When when do you move uh, from from under your parents' authority into just being under the authority of God? Here's a question for you. Our, Our society would say you are no longer under your parents' authority when? Yeah, when you're 18, okay, uh, and uh, something to think through. And again, if if you know something that I don't, help me to understand. Uh, but biblically, I don't necessarily see that as like the 18 is the cutoff point. Uh, and in Israel, uh, you you were a fighting age when you were 20, but that didn't necessarily mean that you were no longer under the authority of your parents. Uh, and actually, I think I think biblically speaking, uh, Genesis 2:23 and 24 help us to see. When, when kids make that transition from being under their parents' authority to being in authority unto themselves, and that's Genesis uh, 2, 23 and 24, Then the man said, This uh, at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And so what's the reason given for a man leaving his, his parents? It's not because he turns 18 or, or 21 or anything else like that, but because he is ready to, uh, to create his own uh, umbrella under the authority of God and to be under that authority with his own family. Uh, and he's directly uh, responsible to God uh, in and of himself, uh, which, is, uh, which is not a popular concept in our world today. What does the world uh, want teens to do? Hey, they want you to immediately jettison yourself from your parents as quickly as you can uh, and to be independent and adults, and, uh, and they want to encourage that. But biblically speaking, that's not uh, what, uh, what Scripture says. The scripture says, hey, you're under your parents' authority until you uh, become a family uh, on your own. So um, ultimately, uh, that may not be uh, what you want to hear this morning, but that is what is right, and that's what God calls you to. Uh, and now, so that 's what it looks like for for, for children uh, and but what about for parents? Uh, how does this first impact you? Well, well, understand parents that that the authority that you have is a delegated authority okay your Your umbrella isn 't over here, off to the side uh, where you get to do your own thing uh, you, uh, Your authority is under god 's authority, and you don 't really have any intrinsic authority in and of yourself of like hey I'm I'm a parent so I just have this authority you have an authority because God has granted you that authority so understand that it's a delegated authority uh, and then call your children to obey you not because uh, of who you are but because of who God is uh, and uh, additionally understand that when if your kids are out here and you're letting them kind of dance around in the hailstorm uh, you, you are out there with them. If you're not calling them back uh, to be under your authority, if you're not calling them back to, to submit to God and, and to honor God, you're, you're in rebellion against Him as well because uh, children are called to obey uh, their parents in the Lord. So you've got to be calling them back uh, to uh, obey you and to obey the Lord. So, uh, and so this first command, which is addressed to children, is uh, it's it's simple, it's basic, okay, uh, and it addresses actions. Uh, but the the next command is going to be an even more difficult one to uh, to obey because it addresses attitudes of the heart. Uh, you look at uh, verse two uh, in chapter six, where he says, uh, again, speaking to children, the second command is honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Uh, and so uh, to honor somebody means to, to show them uh, high regard, uh, to, to attribute value and worth to them. And that's actually where we get our name Timothy. Timothy means honor uh, in the Greek. Uh, and so, again, this commandment is far more difficult uh, than, uh, than the first one because you can obey your parents and not have a right heart. Right. You ever, you ever do that of, you know, you kind of are begrudgingly kind of shuffling your feet uh, and and you're like, OK, I'll do this. But I'm not I'm not thinking highly of you at this point in time. Uh, and so this reality that 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 children are to honor their parents, so they are they are to to think highly of them. Uh, and but what's what's our tendency is as sinful individuals. Do we like to think highly of our parents or highly of ourselves? Yeah, or and and we like to think lowly of our parents and little of our parents and and uh rather than little of ourselves uh, and so uh again, Paul provides a reason for this of hey this is this is the first commandment with a promise what we read earlier today, the ten Commandments in deuteronomy um, what we what we saw there is of of the first four commandments of you shall have uh uh, no, no other gods. You shall not make any graven images. Uh, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. You shall honor the Sabbath. Those first four, uh, they don't have, they don't come with a promise. But the fifth commandment to honor and obey or to honor your, your parents comes with a promise. And, and Paul points to that. He's commenting on the Old Testament. And what, what we see there, hey, if you obey, there will be reward in this life. Uh, it is, it's, it's a, a dis, a demonstration of the harvest principle, which is really simple: the, the seeds that you plant uh, determine what you're gonna, what harvest you're gonna reap. Okay, uh, if you plant apple uh, seeds, what are you gonna get? you're not going to get wheat, right? You're going to get an apple tree. Uh, And and the same thing if if you plant uh, an orange tree or or cherries or uh, or a vine or if you plant wheat. Like Whatever you plant, that's what you are going to harvest. Uh, And Galatians 6 uh, says this, uh, verses 7 and 8. It says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And I love how that, that begins of God isn't mocked. Don't, don't be deceived into thinking I can plant one seed and harvest something else. But we also, we also think that, that, that we can somehow escape uh, the, the laws of reality uh, and escape, hey, I, I don't have to honor my parents and then everything will be okay. Uh, the emphasis here is that, hey, if, if you honor your parents, there will be earthly rewards. Uh, and and what are those rewards? Well, uh, number one, it, it it will go well with you. Uh, it, it will things will go well in your life, and that's just again that's kind of an obvious, right? What, what's usually um, the, the 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 most painful conflicts in your life are usually with who? Yeah, with your parents and those with with those people who are closest to you. So when you have a good relationship with your parents, you're like, yeah, things are just naturally going well because I am at peace with them. But when you're not at peace with them. Like it's almost, life is miserable. It's like it, it's, it's cloudy over, over, uh, overhead every day. Uh, it's dark. It's foreboding. You're miserable. There's this separation because of the sin that's taking place between you. And so uh, it will go well with you if you honor your parents. And then the second reward is you will live long on the earth. Honoring uh, your parents leads to a longer life. Uh, and it doesn't explain how that comes about, but I know who's sovereign over life and death, uh, and I think that would be a reward of, hey, honoring and obeying what God has said and honoring your parents uh, in this life will bring about uh, earthly rewards and a long life here on uh, the earth. Uh, and interestingly enough, this was such a big deal to Jesus. He condemned the Pharisees uh, for kind of making excuses and weaseling their way out. And these are grown men. These are Pharisees. These aren't uh, young people. These guys have long beards. Uh, these guys have weaseled out of honoring their parents. And Jesus is confronting them and saying, hey, you, you've elevated your tradition uh, and you've cast aside what God says to be able to do what you want to do. And, and you don't want to take the money that you have and care for your parents in their old age, but you want to uh, to set it aside and create a loophole so that you no longer have to do that. Uh, And additionally, this was so important to Jesus himself that, that when Jesus was on the cross, John's gospel records this. Jesus is on the cross, and when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, which is speaking of John the Apostle, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. So think about that. Jesus is on the cross. He's just about to die. He's faced the wrath of God. Uh, he's just about to say, it is finished. And what it, what's on his mind? Making sure his mom is, is taken care of. That, that, that his, he, he is going to honor his mother. His earthly uh, father, Joseph, who adopted him, had passed away previously. But he's saying, no, I need to make sure that my mom is taken care of. Think about that, how important that is. To Christ. So, so what does this look like for for those children who are not married and still under the authority of their of their parents? Uh, honoring your parents means holding them in high regard and thinking highly of them. Uh, honoring your parents means that you don't speak poorly of your parents to your friends, classmates, your siblings, anyone, and in your own minds. When you begin to, to gripe and complain about who your parents are or what they're doing or not doing, you, you need to take that thought captive and you need to remind yourself, no, I'm not supposed to, to think that way of my parents. I need to honor them. And then that would be a great opportunity. Lord, help me to honor them. Help me to change my, my thoughts and my attitudes towards my parents so that I, I honor Christ and that I honor them. Uh, and, and ultimately, you don't want to speak... Poorly of your parents, you don't want others to speak poorly of your parents, to question their judgments, to uh, to attack them. Because what what did Satan do with towards God in the garden? What did he do? Didn't he attack God's judgment? Didn't he attack God's word? Uh, question whether or not what he was deciding was right or wrong? Yeah, absolutely. And every time you do that, whether it, to an authority, whether it's your boss at work or uh, or your parents, when, when you undermine authority, it's a In the reality, you are mimicking more Satan than you are Christ. Uh, You are attacking uh, authority rather than submitting to it. And and God calls us to submit to authority rather than rebelling against it. And teens, believe it or not, your parents were once teenagers. Uh, they, they They know what you're going through. Uh, and that that's a lie that Satan wants you to believe. That's a lie that, that the world wants you to believe, is that your parents don't understand who you are or, or what you're going through. Uh, yes, the world is a little bit different today than it was when they were kids, but there's nothing new under the sun. First Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. And that's the first lie we all like to believe. Of, hey, nobody else has been through this. Nobody can experience my pain. Nobody uh, can can go through what I've uh, experienced. And, and I thought that as a teenager. And uh, I grew up in a, in a house cult, which, again, not many people have, have grown up in a, in a house cult. Uh, but I got out, and I began to, to attend church, and guess what I found out? There were other people that had grown up in little cults around the country. And, and so suddenly what I thought nobody else had experienced, I realized, oh, there's other people that are, have gone through those same exact things. And if that's true for me, it's going to be true for you. No matter what you have gone through, you're not the only one to, to ever experience that. That's what First 1 Corinthians 10.13 says. It, it continues, it says, uh, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Whatever you're going through, God can carry you through and whatever you're going through, more than likely your parents have faced as well. So go to them. Uh, honor them. Respect them. Go to them asking for for wisdom, for counsel, uh, for how, how do I you know kind of get through this season of life? What do I do in, in response to this situation? Go to them and speak with them about that. And... And as adult children, this this command doesn't uh, doesn't get nullified as soon as you, you're married and out on your own. And we saw that with Jesus and the Pharisees. Uh, we need to continue to honor and respect your parents by holding them in high esteem. And as adults, we need to, to honor our parents by preparing now to care for them in their old age. Hey, all of our parents have uh, provided for us, fed us, clothed us, uh, as, I, as I learned with my own son, they, they changed our diapers. Uh, and I'm going to remind my son of that regularly. I changed your diaper. Uh, but, but just this reality of uh, kids, your parents spent 20 years of their life caring for you and providing for you. Uh, the first 20 years of your life when you couldn't provide for yourself, uh, they, they looked after you. And guess what? When your parents are older, in the last I would say, hey, the last 20 years of their lives, you should be ready to take care of them. You should, you should be ready to, to provide for them uh, and to, uh, to make sure that they, they're not homeless, that they're, they're able to, uh, to ex- exist. And whether that means, hey, that them coming and living with you, that means you're uh, arranging for them to move closer, but we, we have to take that seriously. First Timothy 5.8, uh, Paul writes, he says, "...but if anyone does not provide for his relatives..." And especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So, so think about what, what, what Paul says, of, it elevates of, hey, what those Pharisees were doing of, of refusing to provide for their parents. Paul says that, that that's worse than, uh, than being an unbeliever. He's denied the faith. And, and so as we, we see these two commands, which are, hey, to, one addresses the actions and one addresses the attitudes of, of obey and honor uh, uh, one's easier than the other, but they're both difficult. Uh, and so those are the, the two responsibilities of, of children, uh, submit to your parents as you submit to the Lord, uh, and honor them, care for them. Uh, but now that the focus shifts from children to fathers, as we look at the next, uh, section of, it. we see the father's responsibility, the, the, the first one, uh, in their parenting relationship is, uh, do not provoke your children, uh, and, uh, I know in your hearts, all of the teens were like, "Amen." Uh, but but let's look at uh, let's look at verse uh, four. Uh, it says, "Fathers, do not provoke your children, uh, but bring them up or provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord." So th- that first command there is is a call for restraint in the exercise of authority. It's saying, "Hey, don't do this. Don't don't provoke them uh, to anger." Right, and and the term fathers here is, is elsewhere used of parents, so it could be specifically of fathers, or it could be of both mom and dad. Uh, but either way, uh, as the head of the household, who who has the, the majority of the responsibility, the men, the the, the husbands, the fathers, uh, and so uh, I'll I'll treat it as the fathers are being addressed here. Uh, and so so what does it mean to provoke your child to anger? Uh, And it means that that you are the reason for resentment or bitterness within them. Uh, And it usually comes about because there's some type of inconsistency within the home. The children recognize the inconsistency. And even if they can't explain it or or put it into words, uh, they'll begin to, to, to have anger within them. They'll begin to have resentment towards their parents and especially towards their father when there's an inconsistency in the home see I experienced this as a as a teenager uh not realizing much again, growing up in this uh, household of seeing certain things that my my parents were were claiming to to be and and, and to do uh, and then realizing that wasn't what they were asking me wasn't lining up with what they were doing themselves uh, and uh, I became a very very angry teenager extremely angry uh, and again part of that was because i was I was sinned against but but other times i, I it was just seeing these inconsistencies within the home. Uh, and the, the clearest biblical example we have of this would be David and Absalom uh, in Second Samuel. Absalom uh, was so angry because his father allowed uh, Absalom's sister to be raped and he didn't do anything uh and so there was injustice in uh in David's house and and it just it just brewed within Absalom to the point where Absalom rebelled and David uh had to fl- run for his life he had to leave the city Absalom took the kingdom for a time uh and imagine having to go to war to fight against your own son the civil war and you have to battle your your own son uh that is uh, uh just a, a horrendous horrendous experience I'm sure so, uh, but, but let's, let's look at this. What, what are ways you can provoke your children? Kind of, kind of a how-to guide, so to speak, so that you can avoid it. Uh, number one, I'd say you can, you can provoke your children by, by smothering them, uh, by attempting to control everything in their lives. Uh, in essence, you would uh, be extending your umbrella beyond what it should be. So you, you kind of have uh, an umbrella that goes uh, well over, you know, outside uh, Outside of God's authority, uh, and you're continuing to uh, to ask things of your kids that that you shouldn't be asking of them, uh, and you are not exercising your own authority correctly. Uh, but but I also have to make a note onto this one because this is the one that that teens and again uh, I I would have done it. Everybody, many would do it. Uh, teens would probably be the most or the quickest to to say, "Oh yeah, my parents are doing this. My parents are too." What's the typical word that you would say? Over, overbearing or overprotective. Yeah, my, my, my parents won't let me do anything. And the definition of overprotective isn't my parents won't let me do what somebody, other, somebody else's parents will let them do. Uh, that's not the definition of, of overprotective. Because uh, as you look at this, if, if your parents allow you to, to, to get into sinful relationships or wander into sin, what are they not doing? they 're not caring for you they 're not calling you to be under the umbrella uh, of their authority or of god 's authority so uh, th- there's there's a balance here, and this is going to be the most difficult one to to figure out but uh, in terms of not not smothering uh, your children uh, and and so parents don't don't allow uh, your kids to wander into sin or sinful relationships, but also understand that you you have to be loosening what you're asking of them. Uh, and there will, as kids get older, you have to lessen the the restrictions upon them because there will come a point where either if you don't lessen it, if you don't loosen it, they will just say, "All right, I'm done with this," uh, and they'll be gone. Uh, so there's a gradual loosening that needs to take place. But teens also. Uh, understand that, that your, your parents probably aren't nearly uh, as bad at this uh, as, you, as you would uh, uh, accuse them of. So number one would be, hey, smother your children uh, by attempting to control everything. The second way to, to, to provoke your children would be to show favoritism uh, or compare your kids one to another, uh, w- which is just devastating. Why can't you be more like your brother? Like, oh, that, that, that will be sure to, to provoke your children and to exasperate them. Uh, and you see this in Isaac and Rebekah, which we read about in Genesis, right? Each of them had a favorite. And how did that end up? <clears throat> Ended up with the two boys having to uh, to part ways for years and years uh, because Esau wanted to kill Jacob. Okay. Uh, a third way to, to provoke your children would be to create a culture of works-based approval within your family. Every family has a unique culture to it. And if you, in your family, create this environment where if your kids achieve something... Then they, they get all of the, the praise and adulation, but if they don't achieve anything, they're kind of put off to the side. Uh, and it, what ends up happening is kids will feel like they have to constantly be doing and achieving in order to be loved by their parents. And when they're not doing that, they're not loved. Uh, you don't want to create that culture. It's, it's anti-gospel. Uh, workspace systems never uh, never work because you can never do enough. Uh, when, when you get into, I have to earn the, the love and affection of my parents, uh, it's the same way of trying to learn or, I guess, deserve or earn the affection of God. It, you can't do enough to do that. Uh, so don't create that type of works-based culture in your own family. Uh, fourthly, now, if you want to provoke your kids, always be critical and never encourage them. Okay? In, in previous generations, it was, it was common for, for fathers to never say, I love you or I'm proud of you right uh but uh and and that just had a, a devastating effect on on previous generations because their fathers never affirmed they only uh were critical they only discouraged rather than encouraged uh and i think a, a big way unknowingly uh my dad did this a lot uh, would be uh with sarcasm of uh, sarcasm is is one of those things where there there's some some teasing elements but then within those elements there's always just a little bit of truth right uh, and that little bit of truth will really, really hurt because then your kids are like, well, do they really think that, or or, or what is that? So sarcasm can be a, a way of being critical, but kind of in an in an underhanded, guarded way, where it's kind of uh, plausible deniability. But but sarcasm can really be hurtful and impactful upon your kids. Uh, fifthly, uh, if you want to provoke your kids, act as if your children are unwanted or an inconvenience to you. Uh, Act act as if they uh, their presence is is a, something that you don't want around. Uh, sixth, you can uh, force your children to grow up too fast. Don't let them be kids. Uh, kids need to be kids. They they need to, to run around and play. Uh, my wife understands that even just about me. Like I get hyper. I need to go outside and run around. Um, so so don't force your your children to grow up too fast. Let them be kids. Uh, understand what what the age appropriate activities are. Uh, And and let them do that. Don't require more uh, of them than what they are capable of. Uh, Number number seven, I would say uh, if you want to provoke them, discipline them in an inconsistent or ungodly manner. If if you really want to provoke them, uh, discipline them inconsistently or ungodly. And and, and what would fall under that would be uh, verbal abuse, physical abuse. Uh, That's discipline in an ungodly way. You know, whether that's you know, spanking in anger or or disciplining them in, in some other way uh, but but that that is most assuredly a way to to provoke them to anger to to exasperate them and then uh, the eighth way which is kind of similar to that uh, would be to allow injustice to reside within the home. Allow conflict to to exist where one party has sinned against another, and then don 't do anything about it and Again, we saw that with David and absalom david 's brother or not david 's brother uh, absalom 's brother abner again raped raped their sister, and David did nothing. so what does that communicate dad doesn 't care <laughs> you know what, what happened to our sister dad doesn 't care uh, and so if if you allow that to to take place within the home. Uh, yeah your, your children will be provoked, uh, and then number nine, uh, I would say, live an unholy life while claiming to follow christ that will that will also provoke your kids say i'm following Jesus at church, and then at home you're a completely different person that that will provoke them because uh, they will see the duplicity, they will see uh, the hypocrisy and hypocrisy. It, it always angers. And again, your, your, your children may not even be able to articulate why they will be angry, but they'll be angry. They won't be able to explain it, but they'll feel it uh, because they, they will see it before they understand it. Uh, and I know that's a, a long list and that's not uh, an exclusive list. I'm sure that there's others, but those are big categories of, hey, if if you're working to not provoke your kids, then, then you need to be aware of what, what all of those ways that you can provoke them are. Uh, and... And it's a sobering command. I know, as I went through this um, yesterday, it was just just really thinking through uh, our family culture and what I need to be aware of moving forward, um, and w- what's what's even more sobering, parents and uh, mothers and fathers of you can't you can't save your kids, but Scripture would would say that we can be a stumbling block to them. Uh, and, and, you know, may God forbid that we would cause our kids to stumble and and they wouldn't want to come to faith in Christ because of things that we have done or said. Uh, and so I think I think we should all take inventory this week. Fathers, examine your lives uh, and, and your families to see if, if you might be provoking your children uh, or on a path to provoking them. Say, so, yeah, hey, they're not provoked yet, but it's it's certainly making them angry and it's getting them to a point where they, they want to rebel. And, and and kids, teens. If you feel angry, uh, if, if you if you feel like you are you are kind of on the path to to rebellion, go talk to your parents. Do do it humbly. Don't don't come you know accusing with you know guns guns blazing. Uh, but but come humbly uh, and say, hey, you may not realize it, but this has been upsetting to me. And can we talk about it? Uh, come and appeal to them and. And parents, fathers, if they if they do this, if your kids come to you and bring something to your attention, listen. Don't just don't just uh, brush them aside. Uh, don't just say you don't know what you're talking about. Don't don't respond in that way. You need to humble yourselves before your kids and model the gospel. Fathers, are, this is this is where your your theology will come into play. Are you still sinners? Yeah, absolutely. So when your when your kids Begin to see sin in your life. Do they have an open door to come and speak to you about it? That's a big thing that you need to to be ready for. So fathers, when when they come to you and bring something to your attention, I would say repent of all that you need to repent of. Confess it as sin to them and ask for your child's forgiveness. And then, begin to pursue righteousness. Begin to pursue Christ-likeness. Don't just say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry for that, but I'm not going to change. No, repent. Turn from that. Acknowledge that it's sinful and begin to pursue Christ. And those are just the basic elements of the gospel. Uh, and the gospel is not something that, that we believe in one time. It's not just uh, turn from your sin and turn to Christ at one point in your life, but it's continually doing that. It's always turning from sin. It's always turning to Christ as the basis of our righteousness, as the basis of our standing with God. Uh, of this is what God is calling us to. Uh, We are saved by grace and by faith, not by our actions, uh, but he's calling us to a lifestyle of following Christ, and that's what we need to model for our children. And if we are doing that, we won't provoke our children, uh, and we won't provoke them to anger, but instead we will model who Christ is. We'll we'll be a, a demonstration and a picture for them of who God the Father is. So that was the, that was the first, first uh, responsibility of parents. So, and, that, and that was kind of a, a negative thing, right? Fathers don't do this. But what should fathers do? Uh, and that's the, the last uh, point today, the, the fourth responsibility or the second responsibility to fathers that, that they are to discipline and instruct your children uh, in the Lord. Uh, we, look at, we see this in the last part of verse 4. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Uh, and this is in contrast to provoking them, bring them up or raise them up in uh in, in the discipline which which is a kind of a, the idea of systematic training i mean when you think of discipline, you always think of like okay timeouts or you know a, another physical form of discipline uh anything like that so and it, it involves a, a a correction for wrongdoing but it's so much more than that uh hebrews uh, twelve five through eleven teaches us that, that God the Father uh disciplines his uh uh, every son that will come to him, uh, and in the same way that earthly fathers disciplined uh, their earthly children. That's what God the Father uh, does. Uh, and the book of Proverbs, again, which we talked about earlier, repeatedly encourages fathers to discipline their children. Uh, Proverbs 13:24 says, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Uh, what's What's the mark of love from father to child is discipline proverbs twenty two fifteen folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him and then proverbs twenty three thirteen and fourteen do not withhold discipline from a child if you strike him with a rod, he will not die. if you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from shield uh, and an understanding of uh, just what all that entails of of, of biblical discipline uh, is a is a big thing, and again, going back to Part of not provoking your kids is, is is disciplining in love and again in the Lord, uh, not in anger or in uh, some other emotion of the moment. Uh, so we're called to to discipline and then secondly to instruct uh, and to uh, to put uh, into our children an understanding of who God is, of what He is calling them to do, of what He's calling them to be. Uh, as we saw in uh, Deuteronomy six this morning that that Bruce read. Uh, what, how often are we supposed to to instruct our children? Yeah, absolutely. And don't see the church as the primary discipler of your kids. Don't send them to youth group. Don't send them to children's ministry to be discipled. Parents are the primary discipler. The church is a part of that, and they come alongside, but they are, the church is not the primary discipler. Proverbs 22-6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now that's not a, that's not a promise, that's a principle. Uh, and what that it's saying is, yeah, the, 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 the disciplines and the, the habits that you foster within your kids, it will go back to them. Uh, they, they'll come back to that even when they're older, and you know, as adults we can see that, right? We see those things like, "Why do you do that?" Like, "Oh, my mom made me do that every every day." You know, why do you? Why do you? And and you begin to see like, yeah, the way that you were trained as a child still impacts you as an adult. Um, and, and raising your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord is of the utmost importance. Uh, Susanna Wesley, uh, the, the mother of, of John and Charles Wesley, and, and several of the hymns that we, that we sing were written by those brothers, very, very godly men who started the Methodist movement. Uh, so their mother, Susanna Wesley, raised 17 children uh, and had these words to say about raising children. She says, The parent who studies to subdue self-will in his child works together with God in the renewing and saving of a soul. But, but the parent who indulges it, that is, self-will within a child, does the devil's work, makes religion impracticable, salvation unattainable, and does all that in him lies to condemn his child, soul, and body forever. Those are, those are remarkable words from uh, somebody who raised 17 children, uh, and she's, she's probably seen the good, the bad, and the ugly uh, in all of that. Uh, so, so what we need to ask ourselves this morning is parents, are you disciplining your children in a loving but corrective manner? Are you, uh, are you focused merely on outward obedience uh, of trying to get your kids to behave a certain way because, uh, an idol that can arise within the hearts of conservative Christians is to have well-behaved kids. I want my kids to, to look good in front of others so that you know, I can have those kids that are you know, well-behaved or you know, get, get all of these kudos. But, but you can't let that become an idol. Uh, and, and you have to address not just their, their actions, but their, their attitudes and their affections. You must address their, their head, their heart, and their hands. Uh, you must address their, their heads so that they might understand how to live in right relationship with Christ. You must address their hearts so that they might desire to live in right relationship with Jesus. And you must address their hands so that they might live their lives according to the gospel and follow Christ all of their days. Those those are of the utmost importance of of not just getting them to conform to a set system of behaviors, but teaching them to love Jesus uh, and to pursue him all their lives. And so this morning we've seen uh, the responsibilities of children, we've seen the responsibilities of, of fathers, uh, and, and children are to, to obey and honor. Uh, and for all those uh, who, who are here as children, understand uh, that you, you get to, to enjoy the shade of trees that your parents planted, so both literally and figuratively. Okay, so if, if you're, uh, like right now, so if Lincoln's just born, if I went out and planted a tree in our backyard, uh, and uh, when would that tree begin to, to really benefit our family? Years and years and years from now. I'm not going to get the benefit of that tree that I plant because it's not going to be fully grown for another 20 years. And he would get the benefit of that. Uh, and so understand that the benefits that you are, are experiencing in, in your life now are because of seeds that your parents have planted years and years ago. Uh, and, and you are literally experiencing blessing in your life because of things that your parents have done. So when you think about that, how should, how should that prompt you to feel? Thankful. Yeah, grateful, thankful. Like, wow, my parents' decisions, my parents' love and affection and provision for me is what is blessing me and enabling me to, to have uh, protection, to have blessing in my life now. And then, additionally, uh, for fathers, as we saw your responsibilities, understand that you will not always have your children with you. Uh, you won't. Uh, you know, someday you'll have an empty nest. Uh, I mentioned that to my wife yesterday. I was like, "So like, do we have this many months with Lincoln, two hundred and sixteen. You know, uh, eighteen times 12. Uh, I said, "Hey, we have this many," uh, and he's already two. He's two months old today. She's like, "Don't say it that way." Uh, because, because it's sobering when you when you break it down into months and you realize that that 90% of the time that you will spend together as a family is within those first 18 years of your child's life. Uh, and after that, you may see them a couple of days a year, but most of the time, uh, that that when that child gets to be 18 and possibly moves out, uh, again they should still be under their parents' authority. But uh, if they move out, you may only see them for maybe. Uh, 90% of the time with them has already been in the past. Uh, and, and fathers, listen, listen to what this Christian father confessed. Uh, he, he said, my, my family's all grown and the kids are all gone. But if I had to do it all over again, this is what I would do. I would love my wife more in front of my children. I would laugh with my children more at our mistakes and our joys. I would listen more, even to the littlest child. I would be more honest about my own weaknesses, never pretending perfection. I would pray differently for my family. Instead of focusing on them, I'd focus on me. I would do more things together with my children. I would encourage them more and bestow more praise. I would pay more attention to little things like deeds and words of thoughtfulness. And then, finally, if I had to do it all over again, I would share God more intimately with my family. Every ordinary thing that happened in every ordinary day I would use to direct them to God. And may, may that be our focus. Uh, as, as fathers, to direct our, our children to God, uh, to encourage them that way we, we might be with them for eternity and not just days in this life. And children, understand the blessings that your father brings to you each and every day. Even what you don't even see are there. Uh, You don't even realize that you've been in the shade for years because of things that they have done. Thank them for that today. Let's go now to our Heavenly Father and thank Him. Father God, we, we come to You praising You, thanking You worshiping you because we know that we have blessing and protection in our lives because we rest under your authority. Lord, you provide us with shade. You provide us with covering. You have given so much to us that we do not even realize. Lord, forgive us for all of the occasions where we have taken your provision and your care, your love for granted. Lord, help us to be thankful for who you are, for what you have done, for how you have blessed for us, cared for us, provided for us. And Lord, for us as fathers, help us to to imitate you and to be that reflection, that shadow of who you are in heaven to our children. That we might not provoke them, that we might not cause them to stumble in their walk, but Lord, help us to to discipline and instruct them in the Lord to glorify you as we do that. And I pray that you would lead and guide the children here, the the, the teens, the the preteens, that in their relationship with their parents, Lord, that you would just bless them. Lord, that you would... Help them to obey, and yet you would help them to honor and think highly of their parents, that it may go well with them, and that they may live long here on the earth, and that you would bless bless the families of our church. Lord, help them to resolve conflict within their homes, uh, should there be any conflict between fathers and children. And ultimately, Lord, we, we long to glorify you, to have fellowship with one another, and as families have fellowship with you. Lord, we ask for your blessing, your guidance upon our week and upon our day today as we celebrate the fathers in our congregation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.